You're listening to the Truth and Boots podcast. Join me as we search the Bible for truth about our God, for hope to encourage us through hard trials and struggles, and for answers for anyone who questions our faith. The truth of God's Word is not fragile, impractical, and only used on special occasions like a pair of stiletto heels. God's Word, like a pair of sturdy boots, is meant to be put to work daily and is designed to protect us and help us through the mud, streams, and rocks of life. Hi guys, welcome back to the Truth in Boots podcast. I was on the internet studying for this episode and I came across a couple blogs with some quotes from people who were struggling with their salvation. I'd like to start this episode with those because they illustrate so well the heart-wrenching depths that people are in when they doubt their salvation. One person said, I wasn't sure if I had meant it, wasn't sure if I had enough faith, wasn't sure if I could be sure. Another person said, if I have doubts, doesn't that mean I don't have enough faith? Though I've personally never had to struggle with assurance of my salvation, through the testimonies on these blogs and other testimonies I've heard throughout my life, I realize that this fight over assurance for salvation is actually similar to other fights with belaboring sin habits. We've just gone through a series that speaks to overcoming temptation, specifically as it deals with the sin habits that we just can't kick. So I wanted to take an episode exclusively to address this area of doubting your salvation. Even if you've never struggled with this yourself, Please listen in so that you know how to encourage your sisters in Christ. I have gone out to blogs and am trying to address the points that they said they struggled with, the specific lies they believed or the specific areas that they doubted. But this is also going to be an encouragement to you because I was encouraged and and blessed as I studied this that I can have complete confidence in my security in Christ Jesus, my Lord. So first, let's address some of the lies that you might believe if you doubt your salvation. You might say that you don't feel saved. I remind you not to follow what you feel in your heart. I know we get that from pop culture everywhere. Just follow your heart. But the Bible tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Mm-hmm. Also, we are not called to live by our feelings or what is tangible, but we're called to live by faith, for we walk by faith and not by sight. In a previous episode, I was addressing the fact that you should not walk by your feelings because Christ didn't live by his feelings. He did not make choices. He did not believe based on his feelings. He did not feel like going to the cross, but he chose to go and follow the Father's will and the truth of his plan of salvation anyways. Mark 14 says, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Christ was asking God to remove the burden of the cross from him. But yet he chose to go against his feelings, go against his personal desires, and follow the Father's will instead. So not feeling saved has nothing to do with whether or not you are saved. 
Secondly, a lie you might believe is, I am convicted of my sin. Now, let's define conviction here. Conviction is to convince of error or sinfulness. Now, the Holy Spirit's role in your life is to convict you of your sin so that you can be changed into Christ's likeness. But don't confuse conviction and condemnation because Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And then that chapter, Romans 8, like I said, like I was explaining in the last episode, goes on to show how, yes, the Holy Spirit's role is to convict the world of their sin, to, to lead you into righteousness, to lead you into Christ's likeness. And so conviction is part of our Christian life. A third lie would be, I haven't believed right or hard enough. May I remind you that nothing you can do will ever save you, and that includes how you believe. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. These works include the strength of your faith. My faith all the time wavers. Paul is encouraging the believers throughout the New Testament in their faith to hold fast their faith, to be strong in the Lord. And the definition of believe is to accept something as true, genuine, or real. So it's not a spectrum of belief, i.e. the closer you get to perfect belief, the more likely it is that you are saved. Now, that would be work salvation still. But believing is to accept something as true, genuine, and real. It's a choice. So switch out the word believe with choice. When you got saved, you chose to accept Christ's work on the cross as true. And you chose Christ's work and death and resurrection to save you from your sins. You're not relying now upon your, the strength of your faith or anything that you do. It is all completely Christ's work. There are probably several more lies that I could address, but I want to move on to truth instead, because that is where we should be dwelling. The truth is, your salvation is based on God, not on you, not on me. If we had to rely upon ourselves, we could not make it to heaven. And Peter, the rock, the leader of the early church, illustrates our limitations very well. Our faith can fail. Matthew 14, 29 through 31 talks about Christ walking on the water to the disciples in the boat. And Christ said to Peter, come. Peter wants to go out into the water to him. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? In times of sorrow, I have even doubted the existence of God. And that's when I cried out and you have to cry out too, help my unbelief. Our faith can fail and our efforts are weak. Peter in Gethsemane is an illustration. In Matthew 26, Christ asked the three disciples that he brought with him, Peter, John, and James, 
to pray and watch with him. And he came back to them and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were weary. Peter's efforts were so weak to stand by his savior in his time of need. Our resolve can slip too. Satan's temptations and our fleshly nature are just too great for us. Luke 22, the Lord says to Peter, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then Christ said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And of course, we know that that actually happened. Peter is determined here when he's talking to Christ. No, I will never betray you. I will never deny you. I will go to you with you to prison and to death. But then just a few hours later, Peter's resolve slips. No, if we had relied upon ourselves, we would not make it to heaven because we are unreliable. We are limited. We are weak. Our salvation is secure because God chose us. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Ephesians 1, 3-5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God chose you before he even created this world. You were to be his child. He chose you before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It is only because of God's will, his good pleasure of his will, that we can call ourselves sons and daughters of God. Romans eight twenty nine through 31 says, For whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Justified, just as if I've never sinned. God saved those whom he called. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Our salvation is secure because God chose us, and it's secure because of who our God is. God is creator. He is the all-powerful, sovereign creator of the universe. Go back and listen to episode 20. In that episode, I describe in detail the extent and unlimited nature of God's power through some amazing illustrations. 
But just to remind you of a few things, in John 6, Christ, God in flesh, feeds 5,000 people from just a few loaves and fishes. He multiplies them over and over again until they become thousands to feed the thousands in front of him. In In Matthew 8, Christ calms the raging wind and sea and rain, and he does this all with just two words, be still. And then Matthew's 8, he heals a leper. In John 5, he heals a lame man. In Mark 8, he gives a blind man his sight back. And John 11, he resurrected a dead, decaying body back to life. Our God has power. And he is sovereign over everything. Colossians 1 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. I'll back up there say that again. Whether thrones, so all the kingdoms on the earth, dominions, rulers, those people that are ruling over us, all of them were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the sovereign king, creator of the universe. And that is why our salvation is secure. Nothing, no one can snatch us out of his hands. He's also faithful. It's not just because he's powerful, it's because he will not change. He is faithful, and what he promises will come to pass. So to encourage you, here's a list of just a few of the promises in the Bible. This would be an amazing study for you to do one year. You could take many years studying the promises of God. But John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are secure in your salvation because God promises if you confess and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you of your sins. Psalm 31, 5 says, Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. That is a promise. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's righteousness is yours, and he is the one that will strengthen you and uphold you and keep you secure. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That is a promise. If you seek God, he will seek you. Psalm forty eleven: as for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Romans 10:13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not a probably, that's not a might be, but shall be saved. If you call upon God to save you from your sins, he will. John 10:27 through 28 
My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus promises that he will give eternal life to his sheep, and that they will never perish, nor can anyone remove them from his secure hand. Those are just some of the promises regarding us, our salvation. But perhaps one of the most beautiful things about the security of our salvation because of who our God is, is that God is love, and that is why we are secure. He cherishes you. Now, we normally go to Ephesians 5 to talk about the husband's responsibility toward the wife, but... It's a beautiful picture of how God loves us. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Christ cherishes the church. He cherishes you. He gave himself up for you to save you because he cherishes and loves you. Nothing can come between me and my God's love for me. Nothing can come between you and your God's love for you. Romans 8 says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, okay, those are the people on the earth here, nor things present, nor things to come, not anything now, not in the future, he says, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ died for you. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Your creator God, your all-powerful creator God, gave his very life to rescue you from your sin. So to what lengths do you think he'll go to keep you rescued? Those believers that I quoted at the beginning of this episode found peace in their salvation. Here are their testimonies. One says, the doubts did not go away overnight, but they started to become fewer and farther between. Soon I was going days without doubts, then weeks and finally months. I can't pinpoint a specific time when I stopped doubting, but I praise the Lord that I haven't doubted his saving work in my life for years. When I was struggling with my doubts, I felt so alone. But since then, I have realized that many Christians experience similar challenges. We need to help each other work through our doubts and find peace in God's promise. A second person said this, I realized that it is not about me. It never was and it never will be. It's not about my feelings, my thoughts, my desires. Rather, it is about God and who He is. Your salvation is relationship with your God. And it's all about that, all about your God and what he has done for you. There is a hymn that so beautifully illustrates all of these truths that I was sharing with you today. 
And it, it's such a clear description of the security in Christ. So I asked a ministry group's permission to end this podcast with a recording of it. And I pray that it may serve as a reminder to you when you doubt that Christ will hold us fast. When I fear my